This is Adam Lightman Bailey, and you are listening to The Real Talk Podcast. This is Jennifer Rodarte with Compass, and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast. Hey, this is Lane Johnson representing Compass and Aspen, and you are listening to The Real Talk Podcast. Hello, this is Steve, and we're with Wider Brothers of Compass in the D.C. metro area, and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast. This is Naomi Klein representing the Compass office in Beverly Hills, and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast. What up, everybody? This is Chef Jack Harris of the uh, Talk Team Podcast. This is Jade with the Jessica Northrup team from Denver, Colorado, and you are listening to The Real Talk Podcast. All right, guys. Welcome to another episode of Real Talk. Uh, Today, we're going to talk restaurant industry. I'm joined by... Uh, my good friend, Andy Rosenblum, whom I went to college with, uh, he's the uh, vice president of marketing for the Buyer's Edge platform based in Massachusetts. Uh, his company offers contracts, uh, contracts, technology, data services, and expertise to manufacturers, consultants, group purchasing organizations, and operators of all sizes. I'm also joined by the CEO of Emerging, Matthew Fote. Emerging, his company optimizes restaurant and entertainment concepts for sustainable growth and profitability. He's also aligned with CORE. CORE is an acronym for Children of Restaurant Employees, which helps support children whose parents are in the restaurant industry. I will plug his company's information in on my uh, Instagram post on this restaurant, uh, on this uh, podcast episode. Uh, guys, welcome and thank you for joining today. It's good to be All with right, you. Hey, yeah, thank you. Thanks yeah, for taking the time. Man. I made it. My first question for both of you guys is, since being in the restaurant industry, you know, how is it right now? What's going on? Go ahead, well, the restaurant industry took a big hit, you know, as you know. It's a really interesting uh, industry for this time because um, there's a lot of kind of back and forth, push and pull, you know. Yeah. Um, restaurants have been, um, the, the story of the restaurant industry has been one that's sort of been at the center of a lot of the news media and reporting. Okay. And what differentiates it from some other industries and some other business sectors is that a lot of restaurants are are still open. They're like a business that's considered basically essential. Um, they provide a certain, uh, you know, a need to the communities because people need to eat. Um, but at the same time, they're running at, at significantly reduced profitability. Um, the average restaurant right now, if they're open, um, at best, they're kind of running at like 30% of normal sales. Takeout. All takeout, curbside. So, um, you know, I think all of the industries that have stayed open right now, like for healthcare and and uh, and and the retail, you know, grocery that's open, um, they've all had to like make certain shifts in how they do business and how they go to market. But for a lot of restaurants, those shifts have been particularly drastic, and um, they're operating in a climate of um, reduced labor, um, you know, uh, a lot of demand, um, some. S- supply shortages. Um, they've had to establish new rules for um, how their operations run. Um, and and they're, they're struggling to stay uh, in business, um, to stay profitable, and to continue to serve uh, their communities and their stakeholders and their employees in, in a safe way that's beneficial for everybody. So it's, it's really a particularly interesting industry right now, I think. Okay. Yeah. Matt, what do you, what do you think? Is happening right now. I mean, they're in survival mode. You know, in the, the day, there, there's, there's, there's already thirty thousand restaurants gone. Um, they're not going to plan on reopening. It's probably going to reach um, over a hundred thousand. Um, thirty thousand in, in your area in Chicago, or thirty thousand? No, nationally, thirty thousand nationally. Okay. And okay. and 
but you know, that's, there's probably about 10% of the industry, um, or is not going to reopen. It's projected, um, 10% of the restaurants. So, um, that's, it's going to, it's going to, it's just, it's a monumental shift in the industry. Um, and you know, the, 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 the guys that have strong cultures, the groups that the restaurants that have had strong cultures are, are even sometimes faring well in this environment, but those, those, those restaurant groups that are on the borderline with some, maybe some mediocre performance, um, don't have any option besides really to close their doors. And, and there's a good question if they should reopen because are they going to reinvest the capital that's going to be needed to reopen those doors? So it's, it's a big shift, um, in, in many different ways, um, in the real estate and, and, you know, even the, the supply chain, um, there's some monumental shifts that are taking place right now. Speaking of real estate, are the restaurants that you know and you guys work with, uh, whether it's in Chicago and I know Andy, you're in Boston, uh, Massachusetts, but are they paying their rents right now? No, not really. Um, you know, it's there's a few, a few that have been promised. So tell me the process pay. behind that. Well, what, what restaurants decide? Okay, it's it's April, May's coming up soon. Uh, April one, yeah. we're gonna pay the rent. So what's the thought process and difference between well, the restaurant groups that? paid and then the majority that are saying we're yeah. not yeah i mean you know last month i mean the writing was on a wall last month like four weeks ago they saw their numbers start dipping and and they you know these are scrappy restaurant spaces bunch of scrappy entrepreneurs as you know oh, yeah and and they're like cash is king we're gonna hang on our cash and we're not paying rent that's 98% of restaurants. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the, and, you know, basically Mace Rich to give you an idea, which is a large landlord, they collected 5% of their checks and rent last month. And how many spaces did they have? Um, They own and operate. Oh, they, they, I mean, over, over probably, probably 20,000 restaurants um, in their portfolio, um, or on retail and restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. It's tough. So, and, and, you know, and, and every, every landlord is acting a little different is responding a little different. Some are saying, taking a hard line, you're going to be in default. You're, you're violating your operating covenant. Um, you got to pay rent and, but you know, that's, it's, it's really, um, not resonating too well. And a lot of, a lot of those operators are still not paying rent. They're, trying to use language like force majeure um, to put them in a position not to pay rent, but force majeure only really talks about operating covenant um, that they can, they can violate it, but it's still, they need to pay rent um, based on the legal language. So there's not really a great way for an operator um, to, to, to walk away from not paying rent today. There's a doctrine of impossibility that is maybe has a little bit more teeth to it um, saying that, you know, this is just a unique time. There's no possible way that they could, they could pay rent and we're all in together. Mm -hmm. Um, it has a little bit more strength to it, but it hasn't been held up in court yet. There's some lawsuits out there. So ultimately, you know, what operators need to do is really the good old fashioned communication with their landlord because they have the mutual same interests. I mean, you know, the, the, the landlords that have invested, and these tenants, for the most part, they're giving them cash contributions. They have done everything to try to make them successful. They don't want to see them to go, obviously. No. Um, so they're going to work with those operators. Um, and and those those landlords usually are are are, de- are deferring rent for 90 days yeah. today, for the most part. Um, however, that is not a that that is not an answer for if this goes past June. 
because um, a lot of these, these it's not going to be, it's more like a U recovery than a V recovery projected. So if you just look at China um, and, you know, if the U recovery, you're in the spacing and tables and in the slow return of people is they're not going to be able to pay full rent come July. Um, and, and if they just defer and amortize that in over the remaining year or even next year, um, they have a good chance of going in default and losing their space. So they got to be super, super careful today of what they agreed to in those, in the, um, in, in terms of deferment. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, go, going back to the landlord LMT, we call it the landlord tenant relationship, uh, in your market right now, is there a certain number of days that the courts have ordered, uh, residential commercial tenants that there is a, uh, a, non-eviction order we, we call it a non-eviction order in new york city but is there something like that in your markets you're seeing where the courts are saying that we're not accepting new case file numbers on uh civil suits especially when it comes to lnt well i i haven't seen it um i know that's in progress in some states there's a lot of landlords actually pushing for something of this sort but it's almost there there it's almost right now it's more about a talk of of a suggestion to the financial sector because the financials, mm -hmm. the, the backers of these assets, these REITs and these, these developers are not sitting on traditionally a lot of cash. No, they do not have cash. No. So they're, and, and, and so what happens is they're, they're, they're going to be in default because they are only collecting a small portion of their rental obligations, which ultimately they're going to carry that life. You know, they can't make that, that payment, which then they're, the, the, their debt, um, provider is has a chance to call them in default. So they're trying to align with the governors right now. The governors in a bunch of states are 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 basically making a strong suggestion to um, the CMBSs in particular not not to call them in default. However, um, you know it's it's uh, you know it's a ruthless business, and right. if you can buy an asset um, or take an asset away, uh, a shopping center that's worth a lot of money. Um, over a fraction of the cost, uh, um, then you know it's 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 going to be tough. I mean, and and I think it's going to have to be government enforcement, or it's naturally there's going to be a lot of bankruptcies. Interesting. Yeah, New, New York has right now a, a 90 day hold on all all evictions. So uh, it, it's interesting to see how certain other governments view the restaurant industry uh, and landlord and, and tenants as well. Just we're all tenants, commercial and residential tenants. Uh, on, on protectionary measures in New York City, in New York State in general, ever since Trump became president, it became a very leftist, very socialist state. Uh, Florida is is kind of like the opposite of that. It's it's very pro landlord. So every kind every kind of every state has their view and policy and how to treat their tenants uh, in both in the residential and commercial sector. What about you, Andy, in Boston? Are you seeing a similar uh, trend as far as uh, evictions are concerned, or or do you know restaurants are kind of at a standstill and then are they paying their rent and then are they using the court system to help them back up their case or, do, or, you know, what are you saying? Uh, I'm not so up honestly on the, uh, what's going on like eviction wise. I sure. have been reading about a lot of restaurants, you know, making the financial decision to close down. Okay. Um, and many of them are closing down permanently. permanently. Well, uh, what I saw originally was that a lot of restaurants were, you know, they were kind of faced with a couple options. It was like close temporarily try to stay open at, you know, this 30% rate or try to like pivot their model to maybe selling groceries or something like that. Right. And even still only bringing in, you know, at best 30% of their revenue. 
Sure. Um, there's a certain number of restaurants that I've been um, kind of tracking. And like some of them have, um, you know, originally decided we're going to keep these four of our 10 or 11 locations open. And then they've kind of started saying like these two or three of those, those seven that were closed temporarily are now closed indefinitely or uh, permanently. So I've started to see some of that come up. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, I, I don't want to uh, put any conjecture out there about um, what's going on on the, um, like in, in, in the city or the state, but knowing that, you know, uh, Massachusetts is a particularly progressive state, Very. Um, you know, I'd imagine that there's a lot of uh, leeway that's being granted to small businesses, mm-hmm. but um, I don't have any numbers on that or anything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Matt, so, you know, t- speaking to small businesses, uh, I, I reviewed your website and, you know, the government signed a, a huge package to help and assist small business owners, particularly, uh, I believe it was under 500 employees. So, you know, you know whether it's a, a is a self practice uh, optometrist, uh, uh, a lawyer that has his own firm, uh, or even you know someone like me, like a real estate broker. I mean, I have staff. I have, I pay out salaries as well. Uh, you know, we all qualify. And I think the the bill's intended major target was the restaurant industry. Uh, what can you tell us about uh, this governmental program? And um, you know, has it been has it seen any success as of yet, or is it too early? Is that directed to me? I'm yeah. sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I see. Um, yeah, some people applied like literally on Saturday, um, last Saturday, and they and a few um, did receive their money in the state of Ohio. Um, so it, it's 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 definitely working. Um, you know, I, I think there there's a lot of question um, how successful it's going to be um, you know, if it, it passes June. I mean, you know, a lot of these restaurant groups are that 75% threshold that they have to, um, 75% of the, the funds have to go to fund um, the payroll is going to be almost impossible for most restaurants because they're not going to be able to um, hire their staff at full capacity. And there's that right. eight week measuring period. Um, so, you know, that would, they basically in the beginning of May have to be full capacity or 75% capacity. It was, it was dollar for dollar, um, you know, in terms of business before, and and that's, just not going to happen. So ultimately these restaurant groups are going to be extremely challenged and they're not going to be in a position of being unforgiven loans, hundred percent. They're going to be there. And the only other way is um, I think the government's going to address it though. I think they're going to recognize the market's not ready. I would assume um, for full recovery and these restaurants um, you know, do deserve a, well, deserves a tough word, but, um, you know, in the, the day, they're not going to be in a position, um, to, um, be at full staff mm-hmm. and, um, just given the, the mandates by the government. So you think these SBA loans, while it's a good stopgap in the short term at a certain capacity, it's not really going to help the restaurant industry. You know, I, I think the payroll was like two and a half months. But if they're not, if their payroll is at fifty percent or seventy five percent, I mean, it's not really a long term solution at all for restaurants. Is that am I, is that correct? Well, it, it is. I mean, in the, the day, it's they the amount of money. It's great. I mean, some of these guys. I talked to a, a private equity group that for one of their change is getting a five and a half million dollar check, and and he's going to be actually in a very good position if it ends in June. If he can get his employees back back at capacity in June, mm-hmm. however. Um, there, there's a part, part of that is going to be unforgiven. 
And, and so a lot of these, the smaller operators are taking the money as everybody's taking the money. They're, they're smart to take the money and they are taking the money, but they recognize um, there, it's not going to be hundred percent unforgiven because they're not meeting that threshold right. of 75% of those dollars being used for payroll. payroll. Cause they're just not the pay. They're not going to be there in terms of the capacity. So they're hanging on to those dollars. If it's a two year payback, um, they're, they're just putting those in the, those dollars in the bank and, and ultimately, um, you know, they're, they're going to pay them back. I mean, that, that's going to be a nice reserve for them. Um, but if it stretches beyond June, um, it's going to be problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the, the sort of official position that we've taken at the buyer's edge platform is that the, the restaurants should take the loans if they get the, if they can. Right. I mean, it's, it's almost, it's almost like a, like a, like an opportunity that's never going to come around again for them to get a loan. It's almost more like a subsidy than a loan. There's no personal guarantee. Um, you know, there, there's no collateral being put up or anything. So right. like, like Matt said, you know, and, and there's, there's a good chance that there will be revisions to the loan. You don't want to speculate at all, but I think a lot of the, there, there's a good chance that a lot of the, the, the money will be forgiven eventually. And if not, it's a very, very low percentage. So it, it's, if a business can take that loan and, and keep themselves in business, um, even if they don't necessarily qualify under the Paycheck Protection Program uh, clauses, then, um, you know, and they can't meet the minimum thresholds, it's still a really good opportunity for a small business like a restaurant who when they are going to need to staff up, they're going to need to, you know, um, utilize cash to restock their walk-ins and restock their, their, their dry storage and everything. And, um, you know, invest in, uh, things that they haven't necessarily needed to invest in before, like additional sanitation equipment and masks, and maybe they need new uniforms and, um, maybe other things like even infrastructure changes that they might need to make. Um, so, it really is. Um, it, it it's a it's a really great opportunity for the restaurants if they can take it. But I agree with Matt that the ability to get the staff back up to where it's needed um, is is pretty slim. And and there there have been a lot of calls um, coming out from the restaurant industry. There's a big group that's being led by Tom Colicchio that's basically saying uh, this is a good start, but not enough. And they um, immediately set out terms for what they think would be. Uh, an improvement, and and I would be, you know, surprised if the government didn't get to work on um, making some uh, amendments to to how the measures originally rolled out. Right, I think the restaurant industry does need a specific subset of rules that's totally different from a, a normal business operation. That's a small business. You know, you guys are on the ground level. The restaurant restaurant leases tend to be a little bit more expensive than office leases, uh, just because it is a retail space. Uh, the hourly wage figures for waiters and waitresses and chefs are t- completely different than a salaried staff. Uh, the, the work capacity yeah. of, of, of a restaurant is obviously totally different than somebody that can just work from home. That's a small business. So yeah, what you guys, what you two say is, is right. You know, there should be some sort of amendment to the SBA loans that covers restaurants. That's a little bit more unique than a typical office worker, uh, for example, like a law law firm or something like that that works from home. Uh, so j- just yeah. to in a final few questions, we're running you know a little bit short on time here, but uh, we I've been listening to you know this time has been great in in terms of you know you can catch up on your reading, catch up on your TV, your Netflix or whatever. But I've been catching up a lot of a lot on my uh, my favorite podcast channels. 
Um, one, one guest uh, talked about, you know, today's pandemic uh, described a, a future that is going to be drastically different moving forward, meaning uh, for, for example, movie theaters. Uh, I don't think anyone, even, even if quarantine's lifted next month or in two months or three months, I don't think anyone's going to go to a movie theater. So movie theaters are likely just going to com be completely wiped out. Uh, sporting events, you know, uh, crowded sporting events like an NFL game, I think a lot of people are going to be hesitant. I'm going to, uh, let's just say, uh, the Eagles versus Giants, you know, Lincoln Financial Field, you have 75,000 fans and you have another 20,000 in, in the parking lot. And you, you just, I just don't, I think the, the, Yes, sports will exist. Yes, movies and film will exist. But the psychology of attending these events are going to be different. Uh, same with the restaurant business in New York City, even in Boston. Uh, I've been to Chicago a few times. I think Chicago is a little bit more. You have more real estate there. Uh, but you're, you're literally, you have five square feet in a uh, 700 square foot dining area in the, in the, in the East Village. Or you have uh, 10 square feet between two of you in, 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 a, in a thousand square foot restaurant in, in, in the West Village. So, you know, that, what do you guys think as far as restaurant revenue, future revenue is concerned? Do you think they're going to continue to pack in these, these tables on, on a given square footage, any given square footage, and, and, and try to maximize income and value that? Absolutely do. I, I, I think yeah. in the short, I think... I think human nature will take over maximizing the dollars and they actually will be forced to, they won't even have a choice because unless there's a huge correction um, going to real estate asset value, these, they get, they have high rents in, in New York, they have high rents in Boston, mm -hmm. Chicago and across the country, they have to maximize. And, the, and in fact, those rents have escalated big time in the last years because in, in um, for most cases, so they have to maximize efficiencies um, they have really no choice unless there's a major correction in, in asset value that it affects a lot of people all the way up. Um, so um, it's, a, it's just a matter of time. I really hope cinemas don't don't go out of business. I I, um, I, I think you know in in um, China you can see that when they did reopen they had they're averaging two people per cinema. Oh good. <laughs> um, so they, two people. I mean not 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 not, not too well numbers. I mean but but averaging two people. So. <laughs> It, to, your, to your point, I mean, if you looked at that, you're like, maybe there's problems there. Exactly to your point, um, but I, I, I hope and and I think um, you know there will be a recovery there. And I, I do think um, naturally people do want to socialize in this country. I mean, you know, I, you know they 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 do enjoy going to reach over and touch the table next to them. And and um, you know, my favorite restaurants are are um, you know my neighborhoods are other people that know my name and pick up my kid and be able to walk him through the kitchen and he walks out with a cannoli in his hand. Um, that personal social connection um, is, is, is what we're, we, and, you know, we live for. And, yeah. um, and I, and so ultimately restaurants are the fabric for that and they're the best social entertainment we have. And, um, and I think that, you know, naturally those, those restaurants that do um, know how to are the best operators are only um, going to go right back to normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eddie, what do you think? Same? Well, I'll offer a differing perspective for variety. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, for one thing, I think that, um, I don't think that there's going to be like a, 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 an immediate snapback to restaurants right away. I think for one thing, there's going to be a s slow adoption yeah. for people. I think people are eager to go back to restaurants. 
and also like restaurants more so than cinemas have gotten the sort of um, altruistic, the philanthropic lift during the yeah. pandemic. So I think that there's definitely like uh, an altruistic call to send people back to restaurants and spend our dollars at restaurants right now. And I think that's gonna help restaurants. But I still think people are gonna be a little bit wary. Also disposable income is gonna be down with so much unemployment and people taking pay cuts and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, some of the luxuries of, of going out and having a fine meal and a nice bottle of wine might, might come a little bit later once, you know, uh, cash flow improves for, for, for individuals. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's happened that's interesting is that there was sort of like a creeping adoption um, for restaurants to delivery models. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of a ghost kitchen or a virtual restaurant, which were sort of these like buzzwords that were living on the margins of the restaurant industry. But okay. I think that over the last few weeks, um, a lot of restaurants have suddenly snapped to those options as um, you know either primary or secondary revenue streams. So it might be that um, if restaurants observe, if smart restaurant owners observe that um, having the tables too close together and, and filling their 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 uh, their dining rooms uh, packed to the gills isn't really necessarily working as a business model, they may be able to back off the number of uh, people they're serving per night in house and um, pivot some of their focus to more off-premises dining, which was already a trend that we were seeing in the industry. And, and I think a lot of people have been uh, pushed there out of necessity or frankly, out of the fact that they're not as busy as they once were. And this gives them the opportunity, that gave them the opportunity to um, you know, assess some of the third-party delivery systems, uh, look into some of the technology that they would need, need to start uh, a virtual kitchen. Think about what menu items they might be able to put on to a, to, to a virtual menu and stuff like that. So um, it, it might be that they'll, they'll you know, have supplemental revenue streams coming from those channels. Interesting. No, no, no doubt. No. Kitchen. What does that mean? So uh, the, a ghost kitchen is, oh, um, a, well, there's, there's kind of two different uh, uh, ideas there. A ghost kitchen is a restaurant that kind of doesn't actually exist publicly facing except um, in the digital world. So <laughs> you might... You might be able to um, get into like a, a like a really bad piece of real estate, or maybe even a commercial kitchen, um, or a place in a neighborhood where you wouldn't necessarily be able to get a lot of street traffic and people wouldn't be coming in. But you can get a space in there where you can crank out tacos and deliver them all day. And so your kitchen mm -hmm. doesn't exist publicly facing at the street level; it only exists in the delivery world. Interesting. That would be the that would be the concept of a ghost kitchen. Um, by contrast, a virtual kitchen is one in which um, you have a restaurant. Let's say you have a restaurant that is a, um, uh, I don't know, just like a, a pub, a sports bar. Okay. But then, and maybe that's called, you know, Tox Pub. But then you might open uh, a separate virtual kitchen out of that same restaurant, and that could be called uh, Wing Wing Joint. And then all you'd have there is a wing menu. It's coming out of the same restaurant, same kitchen, but it's basically like, you know, um, you're, 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 you're selling uh, virtually um, certain pieces of your menu under a different brand name, different pricing scheme, maybe even different recipes. Mm. And so actually one of the clients that we work with who is a uh, cinema, cinema dining concept, um, opened up a, uh, a takeout like wing concept uh, in order to keep themselves in business. And they're doing it right out of the same kitchens that they do to serve their, their cinema concept. And they've had some success with that as a delivery option because people aren't thinking to themselves, oh, let me order from uh, that, that 
movie house, that movie restaurant, right. you know, sure. house that I normally go to, but they are going online and saying like, what's the best wings in the, in my, in my cat, in my town right now, or in my county, or who has the best deal on, uh, you know, uh, Buffalo chicken tenders. And then they're finding this restaurant, uh, online and ordering from them. So that's bringing in revenue to, to an otherwise, uh, sort of flat revenue, uh, restaurant. Interesting. Interesting. I like that. It's a, it's a, it's a very novel concept, I think. Matt, do you have anything to add on that? Well, I think it's expl it's explosive. Um, you know, um, Travis um, from uh, you know Uber. Um, he is um, he is vested. Um, his really his next uh, all his future investments are are going towards this. He's building these kitchens around the country, and they're having like I don't know, twenty to sixty kitchens. And he's when he's running one big mass space and and then subleasing those spaces. It's a pure real estate play for him. Um, and, um, you know, so it's, it's being widely adopted in every major market at this point, he's probably about 50% occupied previous to this, wow. um, pandemic. He's probably pushing hundred percent at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, so there, you know, he's collecting, um, good rent, um, on a monthly basis and from these, he's building these 200 square foot or so kitchens and, um, and then they're all side by side. I think it's a great idea. I mean, even a lot of restaurants that, um, you know, they're running multiple menus, three or four up to five menus out of a single kitchen, um, the virtual kitchen that Andy talks about. So I think it's a great idea. Um, you know, it's, it's, it can be um, a little cumbersome to manage in, in marketing. Um, but, you know, ultimately the Grubhubs, the DoorDashes, the Ubers, they have so much power and, you know, direct line to the customer. If you get good real estate on or, or uh, promotional value on on their site, um, you, you can drive uh, um, a new revenue stream pretty quickly. Gotcha, gotcha. And um, guys, I, I I appreciate all, all of your insights. Uh, just to kind of wrap up here, because I know we're running out of time. Uh, Matt, uh, you want to talk a little bit about emerging in your company that that you've been running? You've been running this company for about four years now, correct? Yeah. 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 So um, basically, emerging looks at the restaurant groups holistic, holistic, geez, holistically. Um, thank you. And um, we, so usually it's real estate we lead with, you know, with building a strategic growth plan around the country, um, following it, looking at their um, the fundamental data that supports that national growth plan. So it's kind of art meets science. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, um, supply chain is a big piece of that. We got to make sure they have a sustainable model. Um, you know, the, the buyer's edge platform that Andy's with, um, obviously I, I worked from I work and started a division with John Davey consolidated concepts to focus on the chain division. Yeah. We're looking at, we're, we're, we're always looking at driving costs down for these chains as they grow across the country and maintain, yeah. making sure they can maintain their quality. Um, and then ultimately, you know, you're 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 raising capital. You're helping make those capital introductions, um, for and make it, You know, ultimately, who your capital partners plays a big role of um, what kind of growth you do have um, long term. So um, today, you know, we're everybody's focused on labor because yeah. um, the PPP plan. But we're really now looking at um, a reentry plan that. Is considering number one, you know, cogs, um, and because the cost of goods are going to go up, distribution is going to be challenging, cogs. making sure they don't cost get taken advantage. Yeah, cost of goods. Yeah, cost of goods. 
and and then you then then looking at uh, real estate like you know really um, we got to revise their PL and once we know what a, a realistic PL is for that restaurant what they're going to do in profit and sales then we can go back to those landlords and negotiate better terms um, for the rent um, and, and you do the negotiating yourselves do you yeah do you our company does all the negotiation yeah we work with you know many chains all everything national national rollouts of of chains and independence Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then this, then our data science division is really focused on do, these restaurants really don't know their customers. They think they know their customers, but ultimately, um, they, a lot of times they don't really, they have an idea who their customer is, but we we integrate into point of sale and can build deep learning models, um, showing exactly where their customer lives, um, up to seven people per household, build a profile, that individual and ultimately the sales projections and, and um, marketing to those individuals on a one-to-one basis mm. and tracking them and, and, and following them, making sure they are coming back. So you're, the next piece of this is, are your VIPs and core customers coming back to your restaurant at the same frequency? All this disruption with the to-go business, takeout, casual dining is going to get hit hard. And it was a $27 billion industry before. And, and now and who knows what it looks like today. But um, ultimately, um, these restaurants need to make sure they're bringing back their their VIPs and core customers at the same frequency and spend. And if not, they get a, they're going to have to create a, you know an interesting way to get them back. So we're looking at all these different areas um, and and building plans for each of our clients, um, you know, for reentry. Are you are, are you optimistic in six months uh, that your clients will be able to survive and endure this this time? I think our, our clients, I'm very confident in, um, you know, we're, we're very biased of who we just work with. So, um, and we've got really well proven operators that, that, um, that we work with, fortunately. Um, so, you know, they've gone through hard times. I don't think they've seen anything like this, obviously, but, um, we, we, we are, you know, they're, they're, they have prepared themselves um, the best they can. They, they, they're well financed for the most part That's good. Um, and, and are looking at opportunistically. But in the day, I mean, they could easily get rocked here if, 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 it, if they don't manage their leases correctly. Um, and, and, liability, and, yeah. And, 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 and cost of goods. I mean, obviously, that it can really mess with you as well. Because when you open, when every restaurant opens up, their cost of goods are kind of a mess. And it yeah. takes some months to work through them. So that's actually going to what's going to happen here. And, and, you know, we're doing like back audits for like six months. We've, we've saved um, just in the last week, we've saved two chains over a million dollars um, and, and, and overcharges in the last year. Um, we did a back or six months. We did a back review in the last six months for their, and, and, and identified over a million dollars of savings for them. So there, there's a right. huge opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Um, to to use like every aspect of the business, they get it. They and they holistically need it. They need to think about that because that's that's the restaurants are going to survive. Right, right. I think that's why the restaurants love you. Huh? They, they they you you figure out ways to save a million bucks here and there, and then and then that saves them for a couple of months, and then hopefully you know to get get through this pandemic. Uh, Andy, uh, last question to you as well. What's 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 your outlook like in the in the restaurant field in the next you know let's just say four five six months. Yeah, you know, I think that um, there are going to be uh, winners in the restaurant industry, and there's going to be um, restaurant operators who who don't quite make the cut. And we might see a certain consolidation in the restaurant industry where business might shift to 
you know, away from restaurants that were kind of on the margin and towards the ones that are succeeding. I'll be really interested to see whether people kind of um, like flock back to the chains and the established brands or whether the movement to support local restaurants continues and um, people kind of, you know, come back to the local independent restaurants. That's going to be really yeah. interesting sure. um, to observe. Uh, but I think that as people are uh, eager to, uh, you know, get out of their homes and, and, and socialize, um, you know, I think that restaurants are going to play a key role in uh, rebuilding communities and giving people an opportunity to support their local economies. And so for that, I am optimistic. Um, but my optimism is tempered by uh, the, the idea that um, there are gonna, there's going to be empty real estate out there. There's going to be restaurants to shut down. And there's going to be, I don't think, not quite necessarily like a rush back to uh, on-premise dining. It might be a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a slower crawl. And um, it'll be interesting also to see like generally, generationally kind of who, who fuels that. You know, yeah. the younger uh, millennials were like really slow to leave their, their bars and their spring break parties. It'll be interesting to see who kind of rushes back to the restaurant spaces. But um, what I do know is that um, I think this is, uh, you know, it, hopefully drawn attention to uh, local independent restaurants and that um, I really encourage everyone to support their local restaurants 100%. by um, buying takeout meals right now if you can, 100%. buying gift cards as an investment in, you know, future meals that you might have there because um, I know that the, that you'll that the uh, diners will appreciate it, the restaurateurs will appreciate it, and um, it, it's it's good for the local economy and the soul. Yeah. Now, uh, Matt, I don't I don't know if you've been to New York a bunch of times, but Andy and I's favorite uh, one of our favorite uh, ramen restaurant spaces is Sapporo in Midtown West. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can't uh, personally. I can't wait till uh, I go back to these. You know, nice ramen. The ramen cook I. I myself is not as good as the professionals in New York city. So uh, hopefully, you know, we can all go back one day to support these restaurants and I hope they open back up too. I think it's, I think it's inevitable and uh, there's, there's delicious food out there waiting to be uh, waiting to be eaten. So, uh, you know, uh, the best way to ensure that that's still there for you is to support those restaurants now, if you can. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's a good, good tip. Good tip. Uh, listen, Andy, Matt, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on to the podcast today. Uh, I'll, I'll plug, I'll plug you guys on the Instagram post for this preview, but in the meantime, thank you for joining. Hey, right on. Thanks a lot. Thank you.